Here we go, Draft Knicks. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of Draft Nation. My name is Joe412, and again, I will be your host for the next 30 minutes. Uh, before we begin, I want to thank our sponsor, iHeartRadio, where you can find all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts, all for free, all the time. Uh, and for those of you who have not listened to our show before, Draft Nation is a national e-magazine that has a hyper-focus on all four major sports and their professional drafts. So if you're a draft like me, if you're a draft uh, expert like our guest here today. We cover all aspects of player scouting. Uh, we do mock drafts, free agency. We look at salary cap provisions for each team, and of course, the needs of your favorite teams in baseball, basketball, hockey, and of course, football. Uh, and with me tonight, I have a special guest, David Alexander. He's an NFL scout, used to work for Blestos. Now he covers the Baltimore area. David, welcome to Draft Nation, and are you ready to go on the clock? Yes, I am. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Joe. I appreciate it. Great. Before we get started, tell everybody who you are, what you do, and where they can find you. Well, as you mentioned before, I got started with Blesto back in the uh, early 90s, early to mid-90s. Uh, actually, I was very fortunate. I was living in the Baltimore area when the Ravens relocated from Cleveland. Uh, that position sort of opened up, and I had a chance to reach out, and I spent the first probably four years uh, scouting the, the early days of the Baltimore Ravens. Um, then did some other stuff with night sports and anthem sports. So you had uh, my friend Leo Haggerty on a couple of weeks ago. Leo and I have been doing this for quite Great some guy. time uh, in, a, in a variety of venues we've been doing it, and we continue to do it now with anthem sports and night sports and some others as well too. Well, great. Well, hey, look, pleasure to have you on the show. And, and of course, you got to scout on. We're going to talk scouting, but before we do, let's talk NFL football for a second. Uh, you know, I, I know you and I off air, we're talking about the winners and losers of week one here, but the biggest loser has got to be the New York football jets with the, the loss of, of Aaron Rodgers. We'll get into the teams and some of the things you saw, but let's talk about this specifically because it's the big news. I mean, the NFL went out and, you know, they focused on the jets for, you know, their preseason, um, you know, HBO special and, um, there was a lot of hype coming into this and the trade and the drama around the trade and the drama around his retirement. And then four plays in, it's like popping a balloon. I mean, what, what are you hearing out there? What are your thoughts on it? I'd love to, 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 to pick your brain. Well, let me just come, come at this from a personal standpoint. Um, I was pretty much raised a New York Jets fan. Um, Joe Namath won the Super Bowl my senior year in high school, and I'm now 70. I'm at, I just turned 71. So, this is uh, this is the, the the burden that all Jets fans carry, and and we sort of approach a, a lot of Jets fans I've talked to. We approach this with a certain amount of enthusiasm, but just knowing the history of the Jets, we were hoping that Aaron Rodgers would sort of get us over the the hump. Uh, good head coach, good defense, and all he really needed was an offense they could count on. And Rodgers seemed to be the missing piece. And then, as you say, four plays into the game last night, he ruptures his Achilles tendon. Um, a great game to watch. Uh, again, one of those weird situations where all the air went out of the stadium uh, until really the second half, quite frankly. Um, and, again, that's where the defense really took over, and they were able to pull it out last night. But the joy of last night won't last too much longer because, again, they've they're, they got the Cowboys this coming week. And, uh, again, what do we do with Zach Wilson? That's really sort of the key. Uh, he gets another chance, which uh, – We'll see if he's really deserving of that chance. I think the Jets have to make a decision. Do they go out and find themselves another quarterback? The cupboard's kind of bare. Uh, the last thing I want to hear is they're going to sign Carson Wentz. 
his name's been floated around. Uh, Matt Ryan really hasn't retired yet. And, of course, the specter of Tom Brady never goes away. So those are sort of the three main characters who popped up if they're going to get another quarterback. I think they're going to try to get by with Wilson and just sort of see what happens. Uh, if, they're, if they're in bad shape five or six weeks, they've got a pretty rough schedule, too. If they're, uh, if they're in a bad spot five or six weeks from now and Wilson doesn't look like he's improved from last year, they might try to go out and get themselves a veteran quarterback. But, again, the, the coverage kind of bare. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Again, uh, we saw a great defensive effort last night. Josh Allen certainly helped with some, some pretty bad throws and a fumble as well, too. So the defense, much as it did last year, can carry them. But, you know, can you get seven, eight, nine, ten wins out of the Jets this year? Not quite sure. Uh, yeah, it's it's – Again, in the long history of the Jets, it's another one of the, the, the things that have happened in this organization since 1969-1970. Uh, so it's not totally surprising, but it hurts. It, it really hurts if you're a Jets fan. Uh, so we'll just have to see what happens. Again, I, I, let's give them a couple of weeks to see what happens. I think if they can get into the middle of October because they've got a pretty brutal schedule. they got Dallas this week. they got the Chiefs coming up. Uh, they've got a pretty brutal schedule. If they can get through to probably mid-October, we'll, we'll kind of see where they are then. Uh, if they're one or two games under 500, maybe they can ride this out. And, again, a lot of it is how Wilson plays. Uh, he can't play as badly as he played last year. Um, and I think there's more veteran talent around him, uh, but it's the NFL, so everything starts – Begins and ends with a quarterback, and we'll just have to see what happens. But as you say, everything was built up to Aaron Rodgers in four plays, and he gets hurt. And I'm sure for a lot of Jets fans, it was it was like, well, we deserve this because we're Jets fans. This is the price we pay for being fans <laughs> of the New York Jets. Well, look, I don't want to date you, but I was not alive the last time the New York Jets won a Super Bowl. See? Uh, you know, see? I see? I grew up like in the Kenny O'Brien. Like the end go. of the Richard Todd, Kenny O'Brien era mm-hmm. of Jets football. And, you know, it's it's always been a quarterback issue for them, right? Like, it's just since Namath, I'm not sure they've got – if you want to say Ken O'Brien was a named quarterback, then okay, or maybe Pennington for those that yeah, handful Chad of Pennington, years. Yeah, like, Richard, you mentioned – yeah, you mentioned the guys that had the most success. Uh, O'Brien, yeah. uh, Richard Todd who had uh, some decent years there. Uh, but, again, I remember the game we threw three interceptions in, in, in Miami in the rain uh, when they had a chance to get to the AFC Finals that year as well, too. Pennington uh, had a couple of good years for them as well. They've had 43 quarterbacks, if I remember correctly, 43 quarterbacks since Joe Namath. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers was easily the best of the 43. Uh, and, again, four plays in, the ruptured Achilles. Yeah, he's so it's uh, – you know, the, the other side of this is, you know, I scouted Zach Wilson the year that they drafted him. And mm-hmm. my sense then was the guy has the physical talents to be an NFL quarterback. Maybe not a top 10 or 15 guy, but a, a, an adequate a, a Kirk Cousins style quarterback. He's got, he, he mm-hmm. I know that the, the, the arm, the one pass of the combine where he threw it from one side of the field to the other pinpoint accuracy that's great in, in, in shorts and with no pressure in your face. But his inexperience is something that's now both a liability and an asset. And the asset I mean by that is, you know, maybe this is the, you know, he's got a second bite at the apple here, a little bit of a clean slate. Uh, there's no expectations heaped upon him to be the savior. All the sort of off, you know, off the field stuff is, is behind him. You know, the, 
you know, if you watched any of the HBO show, you, you noticed that, uh, you know, there was at least, if it wasn't contrived, it seemed to be a pretty good relationship between he and Aaron and maybe mm-hmm. Aaron does some coaching, mm-hmm. you know, from the sideline there. And, you know, the, oh, there's, oh, he could only go up from here, you know, and can he realize and grab the talent that he actually has? Uh, but from your eyes, I mean, you're a scout too, uh, and you've been doing it mm-hmm. a lot longer than I have. I mean, does the guy have the chops to make it as a starter? Can he, can he game manage these guys in a Trent Dilfer-like way with this defense that they have to get mm-hmm. them into the playoffs and give them a shot? Well, I think that's one to take. And, again, I think one of the points you make is a really good one, that already going through this experience last year where the Jets kind of know what they're going to I think the Jets saw the floor with Zach Wilson last year. We're not sure what the ceiling is, but I think they saw him at his worst last year. And I think they realize – there are certain things he can do, uh, again, managing the game, which is a phrase we don't like to use with quarterbacks, but I think in reality that's what it's going to be for the Jets. The game we saw last night is what we're going to have to see from him, where he made some really nice throws. Um, he threw one bad interception, but, but outside of that, I think he played fairly well. I think if, if, if Robert Sala knows he's getting what they got last night from Zach Wilson with maybe some improvement along the way, I think that's a known quantity for them, and they didn't know what his quantity really was last year. The other interesting thing, as you mentioned, is being mentored by Aaron Rodgers. It'd be interesting to see if Rodgers sort of sticks around the team uh, with with this injury, knowing he's not going to play at all this year. It's a unique position, you know, being a 39-year-old quarterback where, you know, how can you help this younger guy, you know, kind of realize what he needs to do to be a, to, to to get this team where they think they want to go. They're not going to get to the heights that they thought they were going to get with Aaron Rodgers. But to be competitive in the AFC East, which I think is going to be a challenge for us to begin with, and count on uh, an excellent defense, which is going to give him opportunities to make plays. Uh, his other challenge is he's got to convince those guys in that locker room um, that he can get the job as well, too. I think one of the, his problems last year was he left – kind of a bad taste in the mouth of some of his teammates when he wouldn't wouldn't stand up and take the blame for things he was doing badly, which is why Mike White was treated as sort of the second coming last year because Mike White, I think the players, his peers, I think, are going to judge him differently than we're going to judge him as well too. So I think he's getting an opportunity, and to get the second chance is rare. Um, and I think if he's – and he really, and again, is he the future? Because Rodgers, even if Rodgers comes back, he's going to be 40 years old coming off an Achilles, uh, what does the future look like? And if it isn't Zach Wilson, the Jets are going to have to make a decision probably next year uh, to go in a different direction too. So it's an interesting time. It's unfortunate the way it's going to happen, but he's gotten an opportunity that he might not have gotten under any other circumstances. It'll be interesting to see how how this plays out. Again, I think if they can get through the first six, seven games of the season, the schedule gets a little bit easier. Uh, so if they're, you know, two and four, three and three, something like that. The other key, again, is everybody staying healthy on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I also think, again, you've got you've got some people who can run the ball on this team as well, too. He doesn't have to do it by himself. Uh, Brees Hall was terrific last night. And he I was. Think, again, they've got – yeah. so I think good coming got off some that injury. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So um, I think there are opportunities there to sort of ride this out, getting over the disappointment of no Aaron Rodgers. Oh, we got to let that kind of slide. But can you ride this out till mid-October and kind of see where you are? Do you need to bring in another quarterback? If not, do you sort of ride with, with Zach Wilson? It could be interesting to see. Um, unfortunately, the way it, it, it's happened is is the tragedy. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens between now and I'd say mid-October, the end of October.
So outside of the Jets, I mean, some of your winners and losers of week one, uh, just kind of tick off the, the, the ones that make the most sense to you, the ones that you think that uh, not necessarily the, the big surprises. We'll save that for a second uh, mm-hmm. question here as a follow-up. But your, your winners and losers of week one in the NFL season. Well, I happen to catch most of the Dolphins. Again, we were talking off the air about the, the Dolphins and the Chargers, and uh, I think the Dolphins have the most talent in the AFC East. Uh, the question, again, as we talk to if he can stay healthy and stay upright, uh, Tua was just magnificent against uh, the Chargers. And, again, the Chargers gave him those opportunities, but he was he was really, really good. Um, and I think that will be a real key to see if they can, uh, and number one, keep Tua healthy, but also – Again, how the defense responds, they've got a, a variety of things they have to do that, that will make them defensively, if they can keep that, that part of it up, because their offense is absolutely scary. Tyreek Hill is just – it's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Uh, other sort of uh, positives, and I always hate to do this, is giving credit to the Dallas Cowboys. Again, here's where my age is showing. <laughs> Micah, Parsons, Micah Parsons is turning into Lawrence Taylor. And I don't say that easily, and I don't say that – I'm not joking when I say that. Uh, Parsons, you know you know what he's going to do. And here's the great thing that I think Dallas has done is, is their ability to kind of move him around uh, offensively, uh, defensively, I'm sorry. He's just unstoppable. Um, so that kind of scares me as well, too. And, and Dallas is always a great team in the first half of the season and finds a way to screw it up in the second half of the season. But uh, between them, it's between, between them and the Eagles uh, in the NFC East. And if Dallas's defense continues to play that they're playing. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens down there. Parsons is, is easily the key to that defense. He's just terrific, too. Other sort of positives, I just, again, the 49ers, uh, Brock Purdy, I think, played really well. They ran the Steelers over, um, and Christian McCaffrey is, is a great weapon to have. Ayuk, uh, I mean, they've just got a bunch of different weapons uh, in that team, too. And, again, another team that their defense got off to a great start against Pittsburgh. Uh, didn't give him a first down the first five times the Steelers had the ball. And just really, again, another team that if, if everybody kind of stays on the right page, uh, it'll be interesting to see. And, again, you, you've done the scouting as well, too. I saw Brock, Brock Purdy at Iowa State, and I thought, he's a pretty talented guy. I've always liked uh, the, the coach at Iowa State because he gets players who didn't just play football. He likes guys that played a bunch of different sports before they decided on football in college, too. And Purdy was one of those guys as well, too. And, I think back if he hadn't gotten hurt against the Eagles in the playoffs last year, but um, I think Purdy really, really played well as well too. So those are the things that sort of jumped out at me. They're really sort of rewarding for the week. Jimmy G playing a decent game uh, against the Broncos was pretty good as well too. And here's a point. I'm not the first person to make this point. The NFL preseason or exhibition season, I call it, it isn't, they shouldn't even charge for the games. Yeah, the, the preseason is about getting the 53 guys together. I really believe the first three or four weeks of the regular season really is becoming the preseason because you don't play a lot of guys. You don't play your quarterbacks. You don't play most of your real good players over the course of the exhibition season. So the first time guys really get together and play is sort of started now. So it would be interesting to see what happens with a bunch of other guys. I have a lot of incompletes as far as, uh, you know, the, the pluses and the minuses this week. I think with Joe Burrow – didn't play well, but he's coming off a calf injury and did nothing during, you know, the exhibition season as well, too. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what these guys look like two or three uh, weeks down the line when they've had a chance to play together. 
uh, get their legs underneath them and really kind of compete with the 53 that came out of training camp. Um, again, I think we've had that sense that the team is set, you know, when we put this 53 together. Not really. You've got your 53, but you don't really know what you have in your 53. Uh, so I think if we can give a, you know, two or three weeks down the line, uh, some of these incompletes I think will start to look better. I'm not a big believer in Cleveland, but their defense was terrific that week. Deshaun Watson was almost as bad as Joe Burrow was on Sunday as well, too. So uh, hard to pick out some real, you know, sort of talented guys that came down the line. But let's see where we are in a couple of weeks when that 53 starts to mold. And, again, coaches really know who they have. And I don't think they're at the point where they really know right now. Uh, but, we'll, again, we'll see. We'll see. You know, I think you make some really valid points in there. I mean, I think prior to the season starting, everyone thinks the AFC is loaded and the NFC is really San Francisco versus Philadelphia. But, you know, Dallas asserted themselves uh, yesterday and just dominated the Giants, a playoff team from last year. Now, weather conditions being what they were, but like you said, maybe the the Giants weren't prepared and the Cowboys were prepared. And this was the same kind of performance you mentioned in your second game, which was dominating performance by the, the Niners and lackluster performance all around by the Steelers. And, you know, I, I, if I looked at both those games for a second, I mean, Dallas's defense and Micah Parsons looked you know, ridiculously on. And, and I, I hate to say it this way, but looking at it through the eyes of a, of a scout and or uh, a coach, there are players these days that are becoming positionless. It reminds me of what like the NHL does there are some NHL offenses when they skate into a zone, it's no longer center, right wing, left wing. It's forward one, forward two, forward three, you know, and you play the position that you have, when you hit that blue line and you skate in, you change your position to be what you're supposed to be doing at that moment. Mm-hmm. You're a professional. Absolutely. And a guy like Parson can play edge inside, outside. He can drop back into coverage. We're seeing that with the Colorado Buffaloes. They've got a player, uh, that's a wide receiver and a corner who might be just just as talented as Deion Sanders was at certain times. You're seeing, even in baseball, the Paul Skeens of the world and the Otanis of the world, and these guys that can hit and pitch. And it's almost mm-hmm. becoming like this is just too talented of a guy to hold back. And I think we see that with, with Parsons. And, you know, I look, I, the Cowboys are the Cowboys. Can they pull it together for all 17 games and make it into the playoffs and make a run? To be determined, right? And injuries will play a yep. part of that. But I do think yep. the Eagles, you know, they won. They battled. They won. They got the W. They, they probably should have done better. But the Cowboys and the, and the Niners really looked like the deal. And I was surprised because the Steelers, they had an excellent offseason. But, you know, the one thing that got me that was just, just stood out, and, again, I, I didn't – I'm not the first person to make this point either, but it's worth noting that, you know, they, their first-round draft pick was Broderick Jones – and they they went and started Dan Moore, the veteran at left tackle. They gave up five sacks. He was ranked by Pro Football Focus as the last, I think, 32 out of 32 of the of the starting uh, left tackles in the mm-hmm. league. I, I don't know the number in front of me, but it was ridiculously bad. At some point in that game, I'm not sure why Tomlin didn't at least give Jones a shot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's what they traded up to the 14 spot to do and stick him in the game. Uh, and then your last point about Vegas, um, you know, I liked – I'm cheering for Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, I think he got a raw deal in, in San Francisco, kind of got pushed out there. Uh, but injuries have always plagued him. But now he's reunited with the coach he had in New England. I like Devontae Adams. That The team, even though I don't think that they're much more than uh, what they showed, 
you know, their 17-16 victories against Denver, right? Like, that's exactly mm-hmm. what you expected to rough out. Uh, it's a good first week for them. But I will say this. The most fun game of the week, it was Miami-San Diego. And when I say that, I mean, that reminded me of, like, the Dan Fouts, Dan Marino days of yore, where those guys just get together once a year. It was such a throwback, and it was yes, fun it was. to watch. And it was, like, 28, 29, 147 lead changes, you know, two of <laughs> just chucking the ball up, and, you know, Tyreek Hill running under it for, like, 200 yards and telling everybody how he's going to get 2,000 yards pass catching this year. Uh, if that is nouveau NFL offense, that game was a lot of fun to watch because I didn't have a dog in that hunt. It was just like, I just wanted to see it and it was a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. hey, let's, um, let's you know, switch a, a little bit of gears here. Were there any surprises, anything that jumped out at you, um, you know, that you didn't expect and you were like, huh, you know, that, that, that punched me in the face. Were there any of those kind of surprises this week for you? Well, I thought the Ravens would have played a little bit better. Again, here's where, again, we have all these moving parts that the Ravens have gotten, and I give them a lot of credit for really kind of rebuilding the offense and, and, and signing Lamar. But I thought I was surprised they didn't play better, quite frankly. Uh, but, again, it's early, and you're trying to figure things out along the way. Um, but again, some injuries along the way uh, that, that – and this always happens to the Ravens, particularly with their running backs, where there's some injuries that certainly – they're going to have to deal with as well too. I was I thought Houston played fairly well considering the, the sort of the lack of talent that that Houston really has. Um, they're going to I think there are things to build on there. Uh, Will Anderson again we talk about sort of great rookies. Uh, Anderson I thought had a terrific game and he had one sack where he chased down Lamar Jackson and, and we can count on one hand the guys that have been able to do that. Uh, you know in in Lamar's career at least yep. anyway I, I think there are some. I think, I think there were signs there for for Houston that I that I really kind of like. C.J. Stroud, I thought, actually played better. I've never really been a how do I say this? I you know Ohio State turns out wonderful college quarterbacks, um, but I'm, I'm always sort I'm a of Michigan leery. Guy. Go blue. Yeah, Keep well, see, there it. we Keep go. Saying it. There we go. <laughs> um, I'm always leery about you know making that next step. And uh, Stroud was. Of the of the three rookie quarterbacks who played, uh, he was the one I sort of had the least faith in. But in I think re- in reality, he probably played the best of the three uh, rookie quarterbacks uh, this week. So I think you and again you're you're a year maybe two away uh, in Houston to to really having the team that they need to compete. Uh, but I, that 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 kind of surprised me as well too. And then, and the Patriots, quite frankly, you mentioned the Eagles. Patriots coming back in the second half. I thought that was really interesting, and they had their chances. They, you know, if that one, that one play towards the end of the game, if uh, the receiver gets both feet in bounds, that's an entirely different ball game than we might have expected it to be. So, yep. Um, yep. Uh, that that surprised me as well too. I found that kind of interesting, and 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 quite frankly, Denver too. I, I mean, Sean Payton's done a lot of talking. Uh, he's, he's sort of like this this incarnation of Bill Parcells. Um, but I thought he was kind of conservative, even with the onside kick to start the game. I thought they were fairly conservative in what they did offensively. Uh, missed field goal, missed extra point. You know, so there's four points that they could have won the game with. Um, I was a little surprised by that. Um, I'm trying to think who else really sort of surprised me this week as far as, you know. And, again, I, I think the struggle for me is that, again, it's these first two or three weeks of the season uh, – Unless a team really jumps out at you, like Dallas, we talked about in the 49ers, I think everybody else is really kind of scuffling to kind of figure out kind of where they are. I was 
kind of disappointed in Cincinnati. But, again, Burrow, you know, the calf injury and not really doing anything over the course of the exhibition season, it shouldn't be really that surprising to kind of see what happens. I'm trying to think of some of the other games that were out there that, that where I sort of scratched well, my know, head. But that's that's okay. The reason I want to interrupt you is we, you know, I had I have a list of seven or eight other questions, and we only got four and a half, five minutes left in the show. So I usually do a lightning round with everybody, but I want to have you back because there's so sure. much more I want to talk to you about. But before we, I'm going to skip the lightning round today. We'll do that the next time you're here. We'll have some fun. But instead, okay. I, I really want to squeeze in a little bit about baseball. I know that was that's important to you too. It's near and dear. Uh, and I wanted to give you a chance to kind of comment on where you see the baseball season, the postseason coming, uh, and what it looks like, and what the playoff might, pitcher might look like for the AL and the NL, and who you have in the World Series. Well, you, we were kind of talking off the air about the Pirates, and all I can say to any Pirates fan is look where the Baltimore Orioles were three years ago uh, when they were regularly losing 100 games, uh, and there didn't seem to be a plan there, although there really was a plan, uh, which we all kind of had to be patient for. Um, so I'm really, really happy for the Orioles. I'm living in the Baltimore area uh, for many, many years. Uh, they had a thing called the Oriole Way, uh, and it was you develop from within, you you create a farm system, you get the right players at the right time. This, of course, is all before, you know, the numbers sort of drove the way that baseball people think. Uh, but now they have the best record in the American League. I don't, I'm not quite sure their pitching is strong enough to get them uh, to the World Series this year. Uh, but I would tell any any fans of struggling teams, and Pittsburgh is always comes up on the list, just look at what the Orioles have done over the past couple of years, um, and there's hope. Uh, if you've got a good a good direction from the general manager and, and, and a good idea about where they want to be, so you're not, like, making it up every year. You're not changing the plan every year. The Orioles, are, I'm hoping, are going to be a good example to, to teams that aren't, as, aren't spending the money that the Dodgers and the Mets and the Yankees are spending. Uh, and that ought to be a lesson too. The Mets don't do what the Mets did. <laughs> Put it that way. But we'll, we'll, the yeah, will help. A hell of a year, man. Talk about a, the, a moment, just a monstrous collapse. Yes, yes, absolutely. And the second highest payroll with the Yankees, and uh, both of those teams are struggling to finish at 500 this year too. So uh, it's coming to see what happens there. The National League again. The Dodgers, although their pitching is not great, they've been terrific this year. Uh, and the Atlanta Braves, who just seem to now, this is what, three or four years in a row, where they just seem to kind of figure out what it needs. They got off to a great start, uh, and I think that had a lot to do with their success. Um, but the Dodgers, their pitching is kind of shaky. It'd be interesting to see if their uh, their pitching holds up because they certainly can score enough runs along the way. So I I think the Dodgers and, and, and the Braves will fight it out in the, Nash, in the National League. American League is sort of interesting. Um, I think the Houston uh Texas Rangers survivor, I think, might be the better team that's going to get uh, to the AL, uh, the AL championship game. It'd be interesting, again, to see if it, the Orioles are there as well, too. So right now I'm picking Houston just because they've been there before. They know what it takes to win this thing. Uh, I'm going to take the Dodgers, even though I'm, I'm a little nervous about their pitching. Um, and we've seen this matchup before, so I think it's going to be kind of interesting to see what happens. I'm going to go with the Dodgers this year just because I think it's their year, even though their pitching is very strong. Mookie Betts having a fabulous year. Uh, he's gotten kind of lost with some of the other players that are out there, but there's a leadoff hitter that's driven out 100 runs this year. That's that's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. So I'm going to pick uh, Houston and the Dodgers in the World Series. I'll take the Dodgers. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I, I spoke a couple of weeks ago, and I mentioned Houston. Uh, I think they're just they're coming together at the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and I'll say this for my producer, who's off air right now. He he thinks the Dodgers every year because he's out in L.A. He's like the Dodgers are are the bridesmaid bridesmaids of 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 Major League Baseball. They're always the regular season champs. <laughs> That's it. You know. So I I even though I, I think they. Uh, uh, you know, might might slip in. You know, to 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 your point, I think the Braves might be the only team in the NL that can can challenge them there. But I think it's Houston's to to lose. We'll see. Uh, you know, I think everybody's still stinging from Houston a couple of years ago and the, all the controversy stuff. But you know, at the end of the day, um, they've got a good team, and and I don't know if anybody's going to be able to beat them. But look, hey, you know, we're coming to the end of the show here, David. Yeah. Go, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, go ahead. Say what you're going to say. No, but again, I think the point about Houston is that think of what they did a couple of years ago is never going to leave them. And I think they've come to terms with that, quite frankly. Um, and I think yep. Dusty Baker was hired as sort of a goodwill gesture, but turns out he actually knows what he's doing as a manager and they've got enough talent out there. Jose Altuve, once again, now healthy and, and Bregman. I mean, they've got, they've got the kind of talent. As, as with all these teams, it's about pitching. So if Houston's yep. pitching holds up, they'll certainly be there because uh, they're that good. Well, look, David, thank you very much for being on the show tonight. We, we appreciate it. I'd love to have you back anytime you're available. Tell everybody real quickly where they can where they can get a hold of you. Well, again, I'm usually on Anthem Sports with my, my good close friend, Leo Haggerty. We're trying to put some uh, some shows together. It's what we call little mini shows over the next couple of weeks as well, too, and uh, hanging out with some other folks as well, too. But this is something I just really enjoy doing, and I, I appreciate you having me on, and I certainly look forward to, uh, to doing this again in the future. That's my pleasure. And again, thanks to our sponsor, iHeartRadio. And remember, while Draft Nation may be off the air, we are always on the clock for you. Thanks again, David. 